0: Ladies and gentlemen, I hope everybody's having a fantastic morning, noon or night, wherever you guys are in the world, whatever time it is that you're watching this. Uh, all I can say is you are certainly in the right place because we have an incredible guest um, today. I'm unfortunately not joined by my notorious uh, companion and co-host, Mr. Brendan Veman. Uh, he's, uh you know, got a scheduling conflict here, um, but I am going toe to toe with one of the best traders in the world, literally one of the best traders this world has ever seen. Um, in fact, there had been you know chapters of books written about him. One of my favorite books, uh, Market Wizards by Jack Schwager, um, which was just an incredible sort of, you know, look into several uh, different traders and, and their styles and, and how they manage risk. So anyhow, uh, I, I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let the, uh, the legend do the talking. Uh, we've got Tony Saliba here, who is um, just in his own right, an incredible man, uh, founder and CEO of Liquid Mercury, um, deep in the crypto options space. And uh, I'm so excited that, that Tony is joining the Crypto 101 podcast. So so Tony, uh, how the hell are you? And uh, welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast. Thanks, Bryce. I'm doing pretty well.
1: Great to see you again.
2: Yeah, no, great to see you again, and uh, yeah, I mean. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the UFi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. What I love about this product is it's truly all-in-one with the three-in-one. You don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door.
0: Look, I just wanted to, you know, I thought our first conversation was so incredible. Um, and a lot of that was just behind the scenes, just kind of personally. And I said, man, oh my gosh, we, we need to, we need to have a longer form conversation. So thank you for hopping in. Um, but you know, everybody who, who watches the crypto one one podcast, more or less, you know, they're, they're folks like me, right? Just you know, normal everyday people who kind of found crypto, got excited about it and said, well, not only is the technology really cool, but there's also a huge kind of economic opportunity here to, to, to make a lot of money. Um, And you know, there's lots of volatility. There's lots of excitement, and so um, we're going to pick your brain on on trading strategies and and viewpoints of the market. Um, But we also want to talk about liquid mercury. But but I first want to go way back. Um, I think you said it was 40 years ago you got in the market um, when you started trading. 45, yeah, (laughs) 45. (laughs) There we go. Um, I want to know, like, you know, how did you start trading? Um, And obviously, you know. Crypto wasn't a thing back then, so you were trading stocks mm. and, and bonds. But but how would you start mm-hmm. the whole journey to become a trader?
1: <clears throat> I <clears throat> fortuitously got the opportunity to be a account rep, a so-called stockbroker at a small regional brokerage firm in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, right out, of, I went to Indiana University, and um, one of the uh, alumni who I'd gotten to know through um, Indiana activities uh, just asked me like a week before graduation, what are you going to do, Saliba? <laughs> and I had I was getting an accounting degree. I didn't like accounting per se. It was pretty boring. This is 1977. So 46 years ago. And um, uh, I was being courted by Procter and Gamble and Deluxe Check Printers and a number of other uh, big names for a sales role, uh, brand management or marketing. And this guy said, hey, you ever think about um, being a stockbroker? And I sounded interesting, but I didn't really know what that meant. And I said, where? And he said, Indianapolis. And I said, but the exchanges are in like New York and Chicago. So he said, no, we do it over the phone. And Remember, in 77, it was a good 20 years before uh, the internet really came to life. Um, And I thought I was going to be on the phone. Hello, New York? Bye. Chicago? Sell. It wasn't that at all. It was going to work to find investors uh, in sleepy little uh, Indiana towns. During the malaise of the Jimmy Carter years, where the stock market, a big day of trading was uh, 10 or 11 million shares. We do that in the first heartbeat. You know, we'll do a billion <laughs> shares in the first few minutes now. Um, and it was tough for a 22 year old guy to go talk to farmers and their wives about investing in economic development bonds. Mm-hmm. So one day I just said, hey, guys, who makes all the money in this business? And they said, the guys on the floor. And I was like, wait a minute. I grew up in Chicago. I caddied for these guys. And um, I made my way back to Chicago through a lot of different, I mean, a few different um, bits of luck, just meeting the right people. I clerked for a while. And then I met a guy down on the floor who who I caddied for, and he, he didn't know what he was doing. He was just, he had sold a business and he was down there dabbling. So in the early days of options, um, and I knew what I, you know, I had learned in a short period of time, how to handle myself with some spreads. And I made a trade for him, made him money within a week or two. And then he said, "Can you do that again? <laughs> and I said, Yeah. You're like a vending machine. Just put in a quarter and and get out (laughs) something better. And can can, can we do it again? Can we do it again? Yeah, get me. (laughs) Yeah, get me on a seat. And uh, and and that's where it began. So uh, it was tough. It was tough, Bryce, because um, uh, you had to be a bigger person. There was no computers, and you literally had to scrap to get uh, broker's attention. So I did my homework. Every night, and I learned about spreading, and I'm still like one of the biggest proponents of using option spreads for your trading vehicles. And there's a huge commonality in crypto, which we could get to.
0: Yeah, no, there, there, there's a lot of opportunity, um, you know, in crypto options because, simply put, nobody's doing them right now, and so there's they're massive inefficiencies and. Um you know so so we're we're definitely gonna dive into that, and yes, spreading right, like you know, making sure you're 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 pretty much hedged the the entire way, and so you limit some of your upside, but you certainly limit um those kind of potential disasters um which i'm sure you've you've probably seen people get completely blown out um lose their shirt you know in person, right you know one day the yes i, I want to hear about some some crazy trading day, you know whether it's on the upside or the downside, what was like in your memory, do you have just a day that was like, oh, my God, burned into my brain forever?
1: Well, yes. And there's a, a handful of them. So <laughs> I want to <when>, hear them. <laughs> when, I, um, when I was on the floor and, and when I got on a seat and actually um, – so I, I started – Trading in March of 79. I came down on the floor in the fall of 78, like 45 years ago, right now. And I um, befriended some of the people that worked uh, behind the booth. They worked for the exchange, they were the brokers, um, clerks, and such. And there was a guy there, Jose Sanchez. We were about the same age, you know, 23, 24 years old. And he was an artist. Rice, and he did these sketches on trading cards of the of the characters of the people in the pit and they would throw them at us when it was slow and i i asked him one day i said um jose can you do that here's a here's a picture of what these trading cards would look like right mm-hmm. and he would just take this and this was actually my one of my teledyne trading cards mm-hmm. This is for real this was uh uh, May 14th of uh, 1983. And I saved all my cards. I have a bin full of these things. And he would draw my picture or somebody else's picture, flip it out. I said, could you put everybody together in, um, the pit? And I have that picture, um, right outside my door here. And I did a copy and I gave this 1981 and I gave, a. Uh, copy of that to each and every one of the 30 people or so that were in the pit. And the reason why I bring that up is when I walk by that picture, it brings back all these different days that you're mentioning. Okay. So I'll tell you one of the days that was crazy, really, really crazy. And that was the day after the market crashed in 87. Mm. So this was October 20th of 87 it was a tuesday black monday was the 19th and um on monday it was disastrous but it did one thing bryce it just went down like whale turds just (laughs) slowly dropping to the bottom of the ocean without hardly any um Volatility was just relentless selling and people were getting, there was panic and people were getting wiped out, crossing their fingers, hoping it would bounce. But on Tuesday, the market opened significantly higher and people were like, oh my God, here's the whipsaw, right? And the question was, is it going to continue and be like a a V-shaped bounce or watch out? and that day it rallied in the in the morning for about less than an hour 35 45 minutes and then headed back south again and made new lows and a dead cat bounce a dead cat bounce and those guys had traded theoretical values the volatilities were off the charts puts were going up when the when this index was going up Calls were going up when the index was going down. The volatility expansion was relentless 100 vol, 110 vol, 150 vol. It was it like crypto. Topped, <laughs> it was like crypto. It, it topped over 200 vol. And that meant every time the stock would move one delta, calls would move commensurately at 50 delta if they were at the monies, and puts would move. You know they would increase in value, commensurately because everybody was trying to cover, Mm -hmm. and there were grown men, professionals sitting on the floor, their heads in their hands. Places going crazy. They didn't know what to do. They just had they they didn't know whether to buy or sell. They just wanted to get out. And um, there was massive liquidations. It was a panic scene. Now for me, I didn't use theoretical values. I developed my own style of trading called relative pricing. Okay. And what that means is each price was relative to another option. Okay. So I looked at all the spreads and on these, on these cards, this was my, um, S and uh, I'm sorry. This was from October 25th of 85 when I traded the yen and the yen had all sorts of strikes and I would I would do calculations of of butterflies verticals diagonals boxes and um and each of those had relationships to each other so no matter where the stock was and no matter where the option prices were there was a relationship that stayed within a band, a very tight band, and i would know if i'm buying near the end of the the lower end of the band or selling near the higher end of the band and they were immutable, they could not go beyond that. The option prices could, and that's what everybody normally traded based on volatility and they could make sense of it. And to me, it was as clear as day and i was able to cut through all the noise for about two months. This happened from the crash in late October till around Christmas that year when things started to settle down. Um, I would open the S&P 500 options pit on the CBOE every morning. uh, And then trading would begin because I use relative pricing. I wasn't the only one using it, but I was one of the first to use it and I
2: kind of mastered it.
0: Epic. I love that. that. that That's just such an incredible story.
2: Um, I think,
0: yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, <laughs> Shatkin investment group.
1: Yeah. From, from that the was 80s. my clearing firm. Oh my yeah. God. And, and these were all the prices and I actually have a bin of thousands of these cause I traded on the floor for a little over 13 years and I saved all of these for the most part. When I started, I started in 79 and I started making these cards probably by 80 late 80 or early 81 and i i had my clerks band them with um like uh uh pecking tape and label them each quarter i got a stack of them and i'm thinking about maybe bringing them out and giving them away or raffling them off or something yeah. really nostalgic yeah that's incredible um and, and it really makes me think like
0: you know, like you mentioned, you know, you were doing this twenty years pretty much before internet-based trading ever even was like conceived. Um, and now here we are in, in in both traditionals and crypto. All we do is you know internet-based trading. You know every firm, oh. and that's it, right? And so, mm-hmm. I guess my question is: so we went from like a very analog world to then you know now it's all digital. What's kind of the next evolution for markets generally? Like it, within the next five to ten years, I, I know Larry Fink from BlackRock said the next generation for markets is tokenization, and I'm curious if you you kind of you know track along those same same yeah. thought
1: lines. Yeah, totally. Well, It's interesting because um, you know even a year ago he was he was saying the opposite. Okay, and now he actually look he's far wealthier than I am, and and he's a smart guy, but he was saying the wrong things, and um he had a position to defend I guess right talking his and, own book. <laughs> exactly exactly, and then somebody tapped him on the shoulder and said, "Um, uh, Mr. Fink, you know here's what's really going on and he got up to speed and did all this, yeah, this shit talking that he was doing about um how bad and, and Jamie Dimon's doing the same thing but he knows better i'm sure he knows better yeah and um, jp
0: morgan offers bitcoin to
1: their clients <laughs> yes 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 and the thing the things that he says is uh just insane sometimes but they know better so tokenization is it totally what's happening crypto is just the tip of the iceberg you know 12 14 years later it's still Uh, nascent because of the massive infrastructure build-out that was required, the um, separation of functions, which we're used to in traditional markets, where one place doesn't do your market making, your uh, uh, execution, your matching, uh, exchange matching, your clearing, your banking. That needed to be uh, separated, exploded. And put on their own islands which is happening yeah that happened where, with FTX. You
0: know, they were kind of doing all that together and blew up
1: boy if we didn't learn something in that regard there it, you know uh, you can't learn anything you know, if you didn't learn anything from ftx exactly pity us right yeah so you ask what is the next phase and i'm pretty certain of this and Take this to the bank because there'll be a convergence. There is a convergence that's going to be happening. And you mentioned Fink because he's got a like BlackRock's got like a near 100 percent approval um, rating on um, their ETFs that they file with uh, the SEC. Mm-hmm. And um, they're in the queue January 10th, I think, or 11th is a deadline for uh, the commission to weigh in on that. Uh, I think they'll approve theirs and some others. But um, who do you think trades this stuff? The same desks that trade the ETFs for their large institutional hedge fund clients and uh, normal fund clients uh, and trusts and such will need to asset allocate to this relatively new asset class, you know, 14 years old um, this January, um, still new to them, less than 5% committing any capital to the space. And now they'll have an ETF. And what happens with the ETF? There's a ARB that'll go on between the spot market, uh, whichever uh, underlying that is, and you're going to see them both trading on the same platform. Okay. Mm-hmm. then, The next thing is tokenization of RWA, real world assets. Then the next thing will be the tokenization of intellectual property. That's happening in some ways now. You see um, some minor league baseball teams are tokenizing the future earning power of their young stars so they can monetize that. You and I, we have value. It's been stolen from us for the last 15 years by big tech. That's our our data. We have a um, a cookie apocalypse that's happening. <laughs> it's going to be happening in January in a big way. Current iOS operating system. Uh, you see a pop-up on anytime you go to a website. You can deny them using your information because Facebook and Google and Apple and, and Microsoft and others have been stealing this and selling it from us. So now the individual will be taking back their data. That'll be tokenized. And every six months, you and I will have a refresh of our demographics and that'll be standardized and be able to be traded so you can monetize your own information for your own benefit. Whereas Facebook's been monetizing it and giving you, you know, Facebook page in return yeah. while they sell your data. And we've known this now for a few years, but we're finally going to take it back. And there are companies that'll help you monetize it and put it out for advertisers to buy it from you directly.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I love that. It, it, it's funny. I actually just literally like yesterday or a couple of days ago, saw a commercial with Matthew McConaughey and I think it was a Salesforce commercial. And all it was, um, he goes, well, if data is the new oil, um, you know, he, I actually forget what, what he said. He said something about, you know, data being like the next most valuable thing. And then like the tagline was like, Salesforce uh, doesn't use your data like you are not the product, you're the customer or something like that. But I mean, I, I'd never really seen like a a, a, a mainstream commercial that talked right. about you shouldn't be owning your own data and you shouldn't be getting leveraged against. And so, yeah, well, it's, a, it's a fascinating sort of concept because people think, oh, well, yeah, like tokenization of of account receivables and tokenized gold and tokenized equities, that all makes sense. But once you realize human capital is actually going to get tokenized and, and yes. re- human labor is going to
1: get tokenized and your your attention will get uh,
0: tokenized in yes. the world.
1: <laughs> yes, and because you can tokenize it, Roll it up into baskets, then it can be traded by liquidity providers on exchanges. Think in a negative way. This happened with the Great Recession and the, um, you know, the leveraging of Back-backed mortgage-backed security. securities, right? And they they package the McMansion in outside of Seattle with a high rise in Manhattan, and and. Then they put um, derivatives on top of that. And they were really just trading like a third derivative of the actual assets. Hmm. And when the subprime loan problem hit, the whole thing came crumbling down. Well, if it was digitized, then that would have never been able to happen because... um, You have real-time risk alerts and real-time... Right. Our our data would be immutably... Um, created in a smart contract that can be sped around the world you know multiple times uh, v- versions of it mm-hmm. that um, processors who who want to reach you will say i 'll exchange some money I was paying a um, a marketing person or a representative company to find you, and you 'll do it directly.' And that that will be traded on exchanges.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. No. It's 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 going to be crazy just to see how how this whole thing develops. And um, no, I'm really excited. And I kind of want to. I kind of want to ask. Just you know, your 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 thoughts on what 2024 kind of might hold for the crypto markets, uh, particularly, but you know, even just stocks broadly. I, I think that if you asked anybody, December of last year. Or January of last year, whatever, right? Kind of this time last year, will stocks be you know higher, flat, or lower? Um, pretty much everybody would probably say flat to lower, and here we are at, at fresh all time highs. Uh, no highs <laughs> right? <laughs> crazy.
1: <laughs> what, what, what do you think we're, we're looking at here for twenty twenty four? I don't. You know, I don't see it um, slowing. I mean, i I don't see it reversing, and I've been involved with some pretty smart people for the past year that have been very bearish. they were bullish on oil. They were bearish on equities. They were bearish on currencies. I mean, a year ago, Bitcoin was, you know, under 16,000. And so it's uh, tripled since there. Now, one Underlying theme: They're all measured. Everything we're talking about is being measured by the dollar. And yeah. so, as long as you continue to inflate anything that is not the dollar, will look like it's increasing in value. Just some will increase faster than others. Now, oil hasn't, uh, for a number of reasons. And if you have a change in the administration uh, next year, mm-hmm. and you and you get somebody who wants to Unshackle uh, the drilling and fracking communities uh, from what the current administration uh, curtailed, you'll see further depression um, of oil prices. But uh, I think there will be quantitative easing again late in 2024, or maybe not so late. And that means the printing presses just so much easier for these fiat power. um centers governments that can print their own um currency like the u.s predominantly that's an easy way for them to pay for their programs and it's an election year so they're going to do that i think and you're going to see um stock market to continue to be buoyant
0: yeah no i I, i'm with you um it seems like they're the easy answer is always let's just mortgage the future and, uh,
1: and print more money. Um, yeah, right. Let's do. Yeah. My short, my, my short spy position, notwithstanding I've been sucking on that for the last year that it's been, uh, you know, the basket of stocks that it's against has been doing okay. But, uh, my hedge is, is (laughs) has not, that helped at all. (laughs) Well well let's
0: let's dive in now um to the company that you've been you know putting your blood sweat and tears in every single day um now it's you know it's been uh incredible to watch the growth here of liquid mercury and i want to know what is liquid mercury the good citizens of crypt nation who are listening um, they're convinced that uh you know you know exactly what you're talking about when it comes to options um and so mm-hmm. i'm sure they're going to be convinced that the liquid mercury options platform is uh is the one to be.
1: Right. Well, thanks. Thanks for that, Bryce. Well, Liquid Mercury is an infrastructure. It's an application layer company that um, delivers um, workflow automation, trading tools, trading screens, connectivity, matching engines, liquidity aggregation, and algos to, to, to businesses, to institutions. We're a B2B. Now, some of our customers, many of them, white label our stuff out to their customers and their customers range from high net worth individuals and some individual traders to, uh, hedge funds, um, uh, mutual funds and, um, other institutions that need to allocate capital, um, to the digital asset world, crypto world. So, we're an infrastructure play. Um, we have recognizable names, you know, worldwide recognizable names as our customers. Uh, we've hit our stride with critical mass in terms of our feature set and functionality where we've gotten some really big names. Um, I, um, I, I, you know, I don't want to share uh, any names. just not to jinx it, but they're recognizable. Some of the biggest, uh agency shops in crypto currency use our technology and um and we have a token it's called the merc merc trades on uh DeFi and a few overseas uh, uh cex's and we'll be listing on more but the merc is a direct play on discounts on our services and we have a rewards program so we're all about digital assets. we're really excited in fact, our token I think today was the biggest uh volume day yet. It keeps getting oh, wow. bigger every day. um We're just a little new entrant into this trade's under a penny, but we we think it's got a lot of potential I love it
0: um and especially when you when you kind of look at um you know all the things that you guys are doing with with traditional institutions. Um, as well as with other you know liquidity providers and stuff in the crypto markets that are that are taking your technology and and, and using it. Um, so I think you guys are making a name for yourself. and uh, I'm really excited. But you know when when you kind of talk to these institutions, um, you know I imagine you know a sales cycle with with an institution whose, you know multibillion dollars is quite long. Um, so I'm curious about that, but I'm also you know curious just what's typically like the thing that is their biggest, like, um, reason why they don 't want to get into crypto or their biggest reason why they haven 't yet, and
1: then how do you kind of push them over the line to get over that well well that 's a great question, Bryce, because the last year and a half it 's been external market um you know uh, events that has mm. delayed um, okay, these companies are made of people, people need they have bosses, they need to justify things they're doing and some of them get scared. So yeah. when three arrows happened or Voyager shit the bed or um uh Terra Luna right. collapsed in August of twenty two, they pull back and they go, Ooh, um, you know, I don't have a gun to my head to do this. I don't want to look bad, maybe we'll wait. Totally. Chilling effect. Then SPF makes his mea culpa after the election of of November last year, and they take another step back. Well, that stuff has worked its way through the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Most of those summer of 2022 issues, collapses, uh, pressure points, and breaking uh, the stable coin uh, connection were due to over-leveraged lending. Okay, securities lending, coin lending needs to be bridled, needed to be bridled. So that got washed out of the market. And then the the same bank friend freed stuff was just out and out fraud. He romanced, you know, the politicians so they wouldn't look into him. They romanced the news services by advertising with them so they wouldn't look into him. And he had a clear path, but it wasn't going to last very long. Now that that's been adjudicated, that's washed its way out. The clients are speaking. Prices are up. And those prospects of ours that were on the fence are saying, okay, I have the green light. I'm not over my skis. I'm not getting the you know evil eye from my senior management. Yeah. Let's get to work on this. So um we're seeing that happen right now it's our most active pipeline that we've seen in the few years that we've been in in service in business and we're really excited for 2024 yeah i love it um so
0: if if somebody's watching um right now and, and maybe they don't work at a financial institution or they're not at a crypto hedge fund but they're just an individual who who kind of might want to learn how to trade options or already knows how to is there a way for them to, to use liquid mercury or perhaps come learn from any resources that you guys offer? Mm-hmm. We
1: do. Um, at our website, liquidmercury.com, we have a, a section where um, individuals and firms can get in touch with us. Um, I typically answer personally myself. I have a team that I work with, but I try to be involved in every response and we have uh, some options, resources, um, We've been training, I personally have been training options um, enthusiasts or um, my clerks in the early days on how to trade options. Um, it's part, we, have, we have an advanced program as part of our rewards program, but we also just help answer questions or point people to others that we think um, uh, are, are basically good enough for us and we curate some of those third parties because if you wanted if you went to um youtube and just tried to learn on your own there's so much out there you need guidance even though there's some really good stuff for free uh on youtube and we try to aggregate curate and um offer to the the people that come and visit us on our website
0: yeah, and, and you could definitely get led astray if uh you go down that YouTube rabbit hole. Uh you know, <sighs> you <laughs> you could just be clicking right. on random crap
1: and well, you know. well type in uh in the search uh options education and I think there's like three point two billion responses. It takes oh, yeah. about nine seconds and you know, <laughs> there's a lot. Uh, obviously you have education, and it's a big topic, but yeah. um there's a lot there's a number of rabbit holes off that main rabbit hole, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I, I wanted to ask this actually earlier. Um, where's the name come from? Liquid Mercury? I know uh, it's in thermometers, but uh, I'd love to know right kind of the,
1: the um, story. well mer- so so uh, it's a mashup of two concepts. Mercury, which was the god of messages, okay mm. um, actually was where I came up with the name because the mercury had dime. Has what everyone thinks is the winged messenger Mercury, but it's actually was depicted in incorrectly in making that dime. Uh, it's uh, Liberty is actually on the dime, but we took Mercury, which is that you know we we deal in messages where mm-hmm. you know crypt, uh cryptocurrency is encoded secure, encrypted messages zipping around uh, the world, okay? And then Liquid being the fact that we provide aggregation of liquidity. And my previous company was Liquid Point. So we put them together to be Liquid Mercury, where you get the liquidity, you get the messaging. And if you look up Liquid Mercury, you see the element. And then our rewards program is called element reward so we tie it all together and that. we tell a big story on that but um i actually have our original logo and i made these this is a tie pin but i that's had awesome. earrings made for, for the ladies this is a mercury head dime and i bought up a whole bunch of these dimes from like the 1940s and um <laughs> and that's where our genesis was on that so we're we're storytellers too. Yes, yeah. to, to a great degree.
0: No, I love it. I hope those aren't made of mercury. I think mercury is poisonous no. to the
1: touch. <laughs> mercury is poisonous to the touch. We we even have magnifying glasses with the mercury head dime on it. Wow. And uh, yeah, we're we're um, we're big into um, uh, lore. Yeah. and we have some uh, uh, Rome, Roman and Greek. Pathology experts on our staff. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> well, one of the the things that I found
0: um that all kind of successful founders and, and and leaders have is they kind of all drink their own Kool-Aid. They they really do believe the stories they're telling and they believe in what they're building. So it sounds like you guys are, you know, you're like that, right? I mean, it's not just a name, yeah, but oh, there's a no a,
1: no, a, no a, we, there's a yeah, there's a Genesis there. Um we started out as Mercury Digital Assets and then um, last year we, we did a facelift, we changed our logo from, uh, the mercury head dime to our current, uh, liquid mercury for, uh, drops of liquidity and they all have purposes behind it. Um, but yeah, we're, we work at the speed of trust and we, mm-hmm. we all to, to some degree are storytellers and and, uh, we like to tell our own story and we think we do it accurately. Yeah. I love it. Um,
0: I want to, I want to get your viewpoint, um, or, or any sort of any fun sort of facts or figures that you've noticed in the option market that might tilt you, you know, one way or another and all and kind of start. I saw one. Um, I like the guys from paradigm. They've they got a great mm-hmm. podcast, um, really, really sharp sort of traders. Um, and they, they pulled up this one, um, Indicator that was like an inter—I think it was interdealer dealer sort of flows—and basically looking at the flows between all the options desks, um, and they noted that this was now making new lows, all-time lows, and and his ex, you know kind of interpretation of this was now the the dealers don't need to be trading amongst themselves only there's now. Kind of exogenous capital or new flows in retail. So he's saying this is actually a very good, healthy, expanding sort of bullish
1: indicator. And right. I'm curious if if you've got any other sort of things like that. Well, to follow on to that because that's spot on, and we we look at that too. And um, last week, the for digital options, the um, notional value, or maybe it was in uh, late November, the notional value of the options volume traded exceeded this spot traded mm. and that um that's a huge indicator because the spot is huge right and now you have this derivative which is a small notional value the premium but there's more and more and more volume that it's outstripping the underlying and th- and it can it can double the underlying at some point but that shows the liquidity and I agree with the notion that they don't have to trade the pros don't have to trade with each other as much because there are non pros in the market uh with lots of liquidity, lots of demand and supply. Um because options you can sell uh a lot easier than you can short the token underlying. There there are sec lending programs, it's just harder and expensive so that volume uh there's going to be in 2024 bryce there will be uh, to our knowledge at least four more options exchanges strictly trading crypto um on the planet launching probably a lot more than that we we're involved with four of them and they're going to be coming live definitely in the first half of the year so what's going to happen is a bit. Uh, market share is going to drop from in the mid to low 90s, from what we understand, probably into the low 80s and maybe even even to the 70 percent range. But they will be making more money because the pie <laughs> will double mm. and maybe even triple. I see with all that cross trade of the different exchanges, um, uh, liquidity providers trading with uh, there'll be linkage. I mean. We did it in the options market twenty four years ago twenty five years ago. there was only four exchanges. next quarter, the eighteenth will launch so it it's wow. options does this, and um, that's what's so great yeah and and one of the, the the kind of emails
0: that I get from listeners every now and again that that always stuck out was, hey bryce, you know where you know I'm an American, where do I go and trade options on crypto and You know, um, I always Mm -hmm. sadly just shake my head and just think, "Man, what's the deal? Why? Why can't Americans trade crypto options? And when's that going to change? Do you have any
1: insight?" Yes. So that's the right question. Why? Why? Why does the SEC preclude us from doing that? Well, excuse me. The exchange Gemini is launching an options exchange, so that will be happening in the first half of next year. So. Americans will get a shot there, okay. But also, CBOE um, has a digital arm. They're finding their way. They're right now. They can't decide whether they're institutional or going to have a retail product. So that'll be. I'm sure they'll get their um, um, script right and their roadmap right. Uh, the Myax is contemplating launching a near shore, shore exchange in Bermuda which would um, have a nexus to U.S. um, clients. They'll be able to sign up there. So this is coming. 2024, you'll get that. But right now, you would have to, you know, um, Darabit's based in Panama. You'd have to open an account there. I think you'd have to have an offshore account to be able to fling them with the others, Mm. Um, which is sad. This is an SEC shortcoming that I think they're going to, rectify um in the coming months i i think you'll see the uh rule set start to um crystallize in 2024 and allow us to do that here
0: yeah and and i'm hoping that um with the bitcoin etf and stuff i mean i i think you know there's going to be options markets on that and all sorts of stuff and they'll get mm-hmm. more comfortable there and hopefully the ethereum etf and options there and all yep. of the uh, the benefits for for having this you know cross margining and portfolio margining now with Bitcoin and not having just to to outlay you know fresh cash, um, but now it's kind of uh, you know much more capital efficient to
1: to be buying um, and, to be and that's right. what it's all about. You're you're hitting the nail on the head. Right now, everything is fully paid for, and it's just too <laughs> difficult, right? Yeah. Nobody wants it. Uh,
0: crazy, mm-hmm. Tony. We 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 could literally sit here all day. Um, I know you. Guys, I know you got things to do. I got to yep. get going. Um, yep. I I, I want to have you back on the podcast. I want to make sure we can follow back up and you know talk deeper options, strategies or, or kind of just you know market updates and stuff because uh, we love your your knowledge. But um, we want to make yeah, let's sure. talk
1: it. You know, after the ETF is approved, and we'll yeah. let's talk do about it. Those reactions, yeah. <laughs> Uh well hey
0: before I let you go I always like to ask um the pros that come on here just you know for, for 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 a listener who might just be getting into crypto it's their first month it's their first year whatever what would you kind of as a as a crypto sort of pro what kind of advice would you give a new person in the industry
1: well first of all be careful start small because it you know it's it's different than what you're used to in traditional markets mm-hmm. um and be very alert it's, it's it's good to I mean I know some pros that didn't do a, a test and sent um, larger amounts of crypto to the wrong wallet Ooh. so um, I would oh, say just speak, make, <laughs> yeah, yeah be careful but also um, you know get into chat rooms talk to others you know Bryce's audience you know can share ideas and share thoughts I think I've always been a, about sounding boards, okay? They don't have to be mentors. They could be peers or some somebody else who's new, maybe even a little newer than you that says, hey, I thought about this. But I think swapping these ideas and finding sounding boards are um, super important till you, till you feel comfortable and be disciplined and be careful.
0: I love it. Hey, couldn't, couldn't have said anything better. Um appreciate your time, Tony. Uh liquidmercury.com. I want to make sure everybody checks it out. It's in the show notes. Um Tony, are you on Twitter or or, or anything to do yes. uh could the people
1: follow you? Um Power Pro Digital is our Twitter handle. Um on LinkedIn under my own name. Uh people do reach out to me, but we do have a, a section in on our website, liquidmercury.com. We talk about our token the the merc our tokenomics are there and we'll answer questions and um especially your audience if if anybody has any specific things happy to answer them personally awesome all right well thank you and everybody at
0: home watching uh thank you so much for tuning in hope you guys enjoyed and we'll see you back same place same time next week take care